Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Randy Carriker is out today. We have the voice of the Cardinals on Fox Sports Midwest. Dan McLaughlin sitting in for Randy today. And let's head right back to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and welcome in Rick Hummel, the Hall of Famer. Um, he has a beautiful piece up at stltoday.com right now celebrating the life and career of the great Lou Brock. Kamish, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. How are you doing? You're welcome, Michelle. How are you? Hi, Dan. How are you doing, Kamish? All right. You have a beautiful piece, as I mentioned, Rick, up at stltoday.com about Lou Brock. It really just spans his career in a lot of ways, and it talks about him as a person, what an amazing person he was, too. But when you think about Lou Brock, Rick, what's the first thing that you think of? Wow, that's a t- let me think about that just for one second. Um, I think his smile, no matter what was happening, good or bad, and Lou Brock, Later in life, it was a lot of bad. He was always smiling. One of the things that you mention in the piece is that uh, your, well, you know, your relationship, at least initially, kind of got off to a rough start. He's at the tail end of his career. You're on the beat, just getting going, and kind of a rough start. Commission, is that fair? Yeah, it was a, it was a rocky, uh, rocky beginning. I'd done a little backup work before. But then in 78, I took over full-time, and that was his, his worst year by far. And uh, he thought I had said his career was over. I think I had written something to the effect that that thought was out there. I wasn't necessarily espoused by me. It wasn't a column logo over it, but it was a story talking about his bad season and Boyer Benson pretty much the last month of the year. And Lou thinks that, uh, or thought that I didn't... Um, have enough time and grade to be making those kind of decisions, and I would he'd be bouncing back next year, and he did. Rick, when you look back on on Lou Brock, that trade Brock for Brolio kind of lives in infamy. But what did that trade do as far as establishing just what the Car- the St. Louis Cardinals organization would continue to be? Well, first of all, they had the the, the players were a little suspect about it because Brolio was a popular guy; he'd won eighteen games the year before, and they didn't know enough about Brock. Brock was a 260 hitter who had a lot of power and, and a lot of speed, but was not a very good outfielder and was a 260 hitter. So uh, they didn't know what they were getting until they saw him run a few days, and I thought, okay, we're all right here. And uh, that that turned that team around where they won in 64, and they won in 67 and 68 also. And uh, the Cardinals became the the epitome of the of the AstroTurf team at, at a point where they were just uh, had whether it was Coleman or whoever was running William McGee or Ozzy in, you know, in the 80s, they would embarrass the opposition by stealing bases and beating out infield hits and, and just turning the whole game around. 
Rick, I'm curious, as a, a guy that uh, has covered the Cardinals for as long as you have, you know, your job is to to be, you know, objective. You're, you're, you're supposed to cover the team and, and to, you know, provide stories. But yet you develop relationships with players and friendships. What was your friendship like with Lou Brock over all these years? Well, it was one where we didn't see each other a lot during the year, maybe a couple times, maybe a writer's dinner, maybe he comes spring training, you'd see him somewhere else. Or unfortunately the last few years, it was when he was sick or, or had something wrong. Uh, but uh, we'd always have, he'd always have a, a half hour or so to spend with me just talking about whatever we wanted to talk about at that time. And uh, uh, I could call him, but he always, he always, he just got to get a hold of him. When you got a hold of him on the phone, <laughs> it was, it was great. Um, I don't know. It wasn't like you had to see him every day to be, to be friends with him. And, and these guys that I've become friends with, uh, in my career, and most of those occurred when their careers were over when, when their playing careers were over. And then we got a lot closer and we could spend more time together in different circumstances. Rick, uh, again, I encourage everyone to read the piece that you have up right now at stltoday.com on Lou Brock. But one of the great nuggets that you had in there, at least in my opinion, was about the cerebral aspect of Lou Brock's game. A lot of people think about the hits. They think about the stolen bases. But I loved the part in there about Mike Shannon describing how Brock's mathematics training in college played off in the way that he approached base stealing, which I thought was really interesting because a lot of people just think about anticipation or the confidence and the speed that it takes. But he actually had a, a big process going on in his head right yeah and it wasn't so much numbers it was more angles you know from uh his angle from from first to second an angle of throw might have to be made by a first baseman who had taken a pickoff throw or something how long the pitcher had to throw to, to get him at first on a pickoff all sorts of, of of machinations went into this and uh a lot more than any of us realized actually and uh and that's why he was as good as he was. He wasn't maybe the fastest guy on, on the, in the league at that point, surely one of them, but he wasn't head and shoulders that much faster than anybody else to steal 40, 50 more bases than anybody. At the time of his retirement, Rick, where, where would you have put him in the, you know, the category of all-time greatest players? Because I've been saying that he may not have been getting and probably still doesn't get his due as being one of truly the greatest players ever. Now he's an all century player, but man, is he, he was just a hell of a player. Um, where, especially at the time of his retirement, the numbers have changed a little bit in baseball. Where would you have put him in, in terms of being one of the all time great players? Oh, easily in the top 50, in my opinion, uh, let alone the, 3,023 hits or the 938 steals or the 300 batting averages he had or how he revolutionized the game with his base stealing. Just check those World Series numbers out. That's when the lights are brightest. And you could put him down every year for hitting 400 and stealing six or seven bases in a seven-game series. That's what he did three times against the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Tigers. And that, to me, is the epitome of a man, just like Bob Gibson being the best World Series pitcher in my estimation of all time. So it's what you do in October that supersedes anything you've done from April through September. 
That's incredible. And Rick, it also seems like Lou really made it uh, a part of his purpose to pass on those things. He seemed like an incredible mentor. We had Ozzy Smith on earlier this hour who talked about the conversations that he had with Lou. You had Albert Pujols tweeting about what Lou meant to him, the things that Lou had taught him. Harrison Bader talked after the game about conversations he had about base dealing with Lou Brock. It seems like part of his legacy is the mentorship that he provided to so many players as well. Yeah, I was glad that Harrison Bader was quoted to that effect because you don't know. There's a couple generations that have passed between when Brock played and Harrison Bader's playing. And uh, and sometimes I, I've noticed in whenever Gibson would come to camp uh, over the years, too many guys did not exactly know what he'd done in, in, with the Cardinals and in baseball. And that's wrong. Everybody who puts on that uniform should know what Gibson did or Stan or Lou or Ozzy or Red or any of them. Uh, and a few guys did not were not aware of what Gibson had done, and that, that hurt him a little bit. Don't you think that's a part, though, of Lou being gregarious and smiling and always being around that uh, was a part of that? Yeah, I, I wish he'd been around more. Yeah. You know, in his later years, he couldn't travel very much. And uh, he was, it was always a... One of the best days. You've been down there enough times to know that the day that Brock and Gibson showed up was one of the best, absolute best days of the spring. No doubt. You just, you just listen to you walk by the end of the clubhouse there, and you'd hear this cackling from the back, and you knew they were both there. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Great stories and insight, Rick. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to talk about the great Lou Brock with Dan and I. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Kamish. That is the great Rick Hummel, the Hall of Famer, St. Louis Post-Dispatch again. Beautiful piece on stltoday.com about the life of Lou Brock. It's 9.45 a.m. That time check brought to you by Clarkson Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Dan and I will be here to wrap things up next. Keep it here on 101 ESPN.